Hey, this is Adam with Mile High Stash, the podcast that asks what five albums you would take to a remote Colorado cabin in the event of a zombie apocalypse. We've had uh, Broadway stars on Mile High Stash, and today we have a ballet star, um, Wonderbound Ballet's um, artistic director and choreographer, Garrett Ammon. Um, if you live in the Denver area, you've probably heard of Wonderbound and hopefully have seen it. Um, Garrett has a long, successful history as a dancer, director, and choreographer, but these collaborations he's done with Colorado rock bands are what drew me to Wonderbound's incredible work. Um, I was playing the drums with Gasoline Lollipops about five years ago in Denver at Ophelia's when Garrett and his amazing wife, uh, Wonderbound president and producing director, Don Fay, uh, came to check us out and more specifically to meet Clay Rose, who has now collaborated on two ballets with Wonderbound and is working on a third that is a little secretive, but sounds like it's going to be amazing. Um, if anyone needs to be in the Colorado Music Hall of Fame soon, it's Clay Rose, but I'm kind of biased. Um, the Sandman is a fantastic gasoline lollipops and Wonderbound ballet collaboration, and it returns to Denver for a two-week run starting May 3rd, and all the info's at wonderbound.com. Um, I was really happy to have Garrett, who is, uh, he's one dapper, stylish guy, I gotta say, uh, stop by my place in Boulder recently and, and chat with me um, about um, his life and, and work and his five albums, you know, um, while Clay Rose hung out downstairs with his kids and even very generously kept my own daughter busy during the interview. So thank you, Clay. Um, here's my chat with Garrett Ammon of Wonderbound Ballet. After some words from this episode's awesome sponsor, The Dab, um, a dispensary owned by Army Intelligence veteran Lance Perryman, who's one of my favorite Denver dudes. More than fear. More than the Dab is a veteran-owned dispensary with seven locations in Colorado, owned and operated by Lance Perryman. The Dab offers everything from flour and edibles to pre-rolls, rosin, and accessories like pipes, paper, and pens. Whether you're in search of exotic flour or chill CBD, head to a Dab location in Denver, Aspen, Glenwood Springs, Louisville, or even Parachute, Colorado today, or order at thedab303.com. Don't forget to mention this episode of Mile High Stash in the next 30 days at any dab location to receive 10% off your purchase. Okay, um, Garrett Ammon, is that Garrett I Ammon, yes. Yeah, yeah, Garrett Ammon of Wonderbound Ballet in Denver. I was just talking um, with Clay downstairs about interviewing style and, and the Larry King thing of going into it knowing little to nothing about your subject. So I want to know where you're from. That's the, fir that's the first thing. First thing, where I'm from. I grew up in Arizona, so um, mostly, uh, well, kind of various places. I was um, Tucson when I was, I think we moved there when I was four. Hmm. Lived there until um, 
uh, ninth grade, moved up to the um, to Chandler, um, which is a suburb of Phoenix. Mm-hmm. So um, that was that was kind of a, a lot of my childhood. Um, yeah. <clears throat> we when I was really young, we we lived out in the middle of nowhere in Arizona. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> was your family the kind of family that was into the arts and would go to the ballet or? Is, Anything like that? No, we were, um, we, we were poor. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, we lived in a trailer for a while and wow. in some pretty What do your parents do? Houses. Uh, my mom kind of did all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, she, she went from job to job. My dad did too. I mean, they both, they just both bounced around to all kinds of jobs. Um, mm. Um, my dad's a pilot, so, um, he was a crop duster for a while, um, which, uh, is like one of the most dangerous jobs in the world. Yeah. (laughs) Um, he, he, because it's toxic. Uh, no, the, the actually flying the plane over, um, uh, at low altitudes over. Oh yeah. uh, Okay. So he actually crashed his plane when I was a baby and, um. Was that was was I a baby or was it before I was born? I can't remember. It might have been. It might. I think it might have been before me. But yeah, yeah he like uh, it was bad, bad, yeah. bad. Yeah. So. so, when did you get involved in in um you know in in the arts in general, but ballet and writing, all, all this stuff. Yeah, I guess um, one thing that uh, my mom always did a good job of is making sure that even though we didn't have any money that we always had some activity that we were involved in so my sister was a clarinetist and um uh did that um Mm. all all through her childhood into high school um and uh my brothers and i uh, we all spent a little bit of time in the tucson boys chorus Mm -hmm. So choir was kind of our first kind of entry point in, um, and, uh, you know, it was organizations like, like that, that, um, you know, nonprofit organizations that, um, were able to provide, Mm. um, provide access regardless of, of monetary capacity. Yeah. Right. She, she always made sure we kind of, um, had something that were, was, was occupying our time. Yeah. Right. So music was kind of the first, first way in. And then, mm-hmm. um, in, uh, middle school, I joined the show choir. Mm-hmm. So that was, uh, that was my first experience, um, with movement yeah. really. And, uh, so that kind of op- started opening a door for me. Mm-hmm. I started to see the possibility that, um, there was a- an actual career there. Yeah. Um, so I think when I started off, it was I was thinking that I might go into musical theater, mm-hmm. and so I was I was singing in choir and dancing uh, in in show choir, and um, we were started teaching ourselves dances. Uh, the um, our choreographer was uh, an employee of Up with People. It's a program that brings um, um, young adults from all over the world, and they come together and they and they produce shows that mm-hmm. then tour and travel yeah. and then they stay with host families in um each city that they are in so that mm-hmm. they're um they're interacting with 
with um, pe- local people, and that that happens. They they travel all over the world. Yeah. So, um, so that was uh, that was kind of an uh, access point into into all of that. And we started teaching ourselves um, choreography. We used to um, program our VCRs um, to record. Um, various shows on MTV mm-hmm. um, that would have choreography. So particularly like, grind. like, like MTV raps uh, MTV because raps. that, because they had, you know, there was hip hop was, it wasn't even, nobody was calling it hip hop at that point. Uh, yeah. The, da- the, the dance style. Um, Do you remember any of the videos that moved you like a Janet Jackson video? Or Janet Jackson like was a big influence yeah. on all of us. We were obsessed with Janet Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, uh, um, uh, we would try to teach ourselves the choreography from, from Rhythm Nation. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, the more we got into that, um, uh, the more I started kind of really gravitating to the to the dancing. And I, I started asking my mom for dance lessons. Hmm. And it, it was about a year of asking um, that when she finally said, okay, um, it seems like you're serious about wanting to do this. So she went and enrolled me in an adult, even though I was a, in um, junior high at the time, she enrolled me in an adult jazz class that was taught by a very traditional jazz um, um, teacher. Uh, yeah. So like Chicago jazz, style jazz. Wow. Which um, I was completely overwhelmed by and <laughs> didn't understand what I was doing. So um, this wasn't like um, a Billy Elliot situation where your parents are like, you can't be interested in this. They were... They were. My mom was always uh, very supportive yeah. of, uh, and and they were always supportive of of us being involved in yeah. the arts and music. Um, my um, my dad played the organ and piano, though he I don't remember that. I don't. I mean, um, um, he does it a lot more now than um, uh, than when we were kids, probably because, I mean, our life was kind of chaos, but when my parents got divorced, um, uh, my mom ultimately remarried Mm -hmm. and, uh, 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 married a a musician and, Mm -hmm. uh, a high school choir director. Oh, well, well. so, um, so that was kind of, you know, that was a boon for um, you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and he's a, he's a guitarist and, Mm -hmm. um, and still, place to this day he does gigs in in tucson so, so did you continue uh, falling in love with uh, choreography and and dance and shows in high school um, and then uh, decide what to do yeah so uh, as i as i entered into high school i was um I, I don't even know how they let me do it but i was like in i had more electives than i did anything else right. like i was in two choirs and um two theater classes and <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't really know what uh, how I got away with that, um, but uh, what maybe I your did, mom was was talking to the school behind the scenes. Well, no, I, it was more. I think they were just y- y- there's a certain number of classes you have to get done by the end of high school, mm-hmm. right? And so they they give gave you a fair amount of flexibility in how you could do that. Yeah, um, and I I was definitely front loading my mm-hmm. electives. Yeah, <laughs> but. Um, what I discovered really quickly was I was a I was a really good um, uh, chorus member. Mm. Um, I was a horrible soloist. <laughs> I would get too nervous, so um, 
and my my throat would lock up and well. so um unless I really 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 rehearsed yeah. but I also couldn't sight read so mm-hmm. like I was never going to get into like um all state qu- choir or anything mm-hmm. because I I was a horrible sight reader um yeah. and uh and then same with acting I I would I would rehearse my lines I would be a great re- um uh scene partner in in class but mm-hmm. the moment I got up on stage in front of um, in front of people, yeah. it would all go away. Wow. I suddenly like just freeze. blank, blank, complete mm-hmm. blank. So, um, but that didn't happen with dancing. So, mm. um, it, it was your body instead of your voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that kind of inevitably drove me that direction because mm-hmm. I was like, I, I, uh, not that I didn't get nervous. I mean, I, there was a natural amount of nerves though, mm-hmm. um, as a dancer where with the other things it was, it was stage, stage fright. Yeah. So, um, at that same time, I was uh, getting more serious about dancing, and I was dancing a lot. And then, um, one of my teachers um, kind of helped drove me, drive me to, you know, started encouraging me to um, change dance schools and and move to a, a ballet school. So yeah. that happened in um, the summer after ninth grade, I think, mm-hmm. that I. Um, enrolled in a ballet school and uh, you Which know again <laughs> um ballet etudes in um uh that's in is it in tempe mm-hmm. or no sorry mesa Arizona. mesa yeah right by phoenix <clears throat> so yeah mm-hmm. and um yeah and again that was uh um i was a scholarship student that was kind of um that was the other thing that i discovered that um you know I couldn't choose things that were going to cost a lot of money, mm-hmm. right? So, um, but I, but I, my talent um, got me in the door to mm-hmm. um, get scholarships. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So then I kind of really quickly, once I discovered ballet, uh, this serious like form of ballet, um, mm-hmm. everything else really fell away pretty quickly. Yeah. So, uh, did you make it through high school, or did you just decide that you were gonna? I didn't make it through high That's school. That's what I, I was assuming. <laughs> I, yeah. I uh, after I went to a summer program at the Richmond Ballet, um, in, in this, Virginia. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. between tenth um, and eleventh grade, I came back and re- had. It was kind of eye opening for me of what the bigger dance world looked like. Yeah. And it became clear to me that if I wanted to pursue it as a career, um, I needed to get into a big school, a mm-hmm. school of a big ballet company yeah. um, that had not only the teachers available, but also a path to a professional yeah. um, uh, job. So uh, I came back and then we promptly um, decided that to get closer to auditions for other schools for the following summer, um, <clears throat> uh, I would move to San Diego Wow. And lived with my sister. Um, my sister was a, at the time was a um, producer and director at SeaWorld. And, um, and she's 10 years older than me. And so we packed me up and moved me to San Diego, mainly um, <clears throat> to get closer to auditions because um, Arizona was kind of skipped over by mm-hmm. most of the schools. So if I was in San Diego, we could go up to LA on the weekends and do the auditions for all the yeah. big schools. Um, when, when you say we, you're talking about your parents. <clears throat> um, well, I, my parents didn't 
go with me. They they right, moved me to yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like they were very supportive. Yes, you know, that's they were amazing. They were, um, and and it was, uh, yeah. And then the deal was that I um, would finish by homeschooling. And at the time, the homeschooling options were were um, few and far between. Mm-hmm. So they signed me up for um, this like ultra Christian. Um, weird homeschool program where um, um, and we grew up going to church but I mean my mom acknowledged that she's like just just ignore the it's a way to get your GED right right but it was it was weird because I started trying to do it and they would like try to tie math to to God and they yeah, would, yeah, yeah. and their history I was, lessons that's what were I was gonna a say. joke, <laughs> a total joke. They probably didn't include dinosaurs at all. They were like, no, <laughs> no, they, they, it was very, very yeah. fundamental, fundamentalist mm-hmm. Christian, like, um, and so um, I was already not a great student anyway. Yeah. So inevitably, I didn't do it. Yeah. Um, and um, then my. I ended up moving to Houston. I, I um, finished my training at Houston Ballet, mm. and um, and spent two years in the school there, mm. um, and then joined the professional company after that for two years. So that which was one? For, um, Houston Ballet. Houston Ballet. Yeah. Wow. So how long were you a a full time? I guess they call it. I was going to say cast member, but no, full time dancer in, in a company. Yeah. So I spent. Um, two years uh, at Houston Ballet. Mm-hmm. Then I spent a year at Oregon Ballet Theater. Mm-hmm. And then I spent eight years at Ballet Memphis. Wow. So, um, yeah. So that was kind of... And then I was also a, a founding member of Trey McIntyre Project, which is uh, it, which is no longer, but um, that was a summer... Um, uh, at the time, it was a summer um, job. That So we would... Um, when we were off at Ballet Memphis, um, my wife Don and I yeah. would um, would dance for Trey McIntyre Project. Well, now you got to go back. Right. When did you meet Don? I met Don in Memphis. Mm. So um, yeah, we we so I I joined Ballet Memphis in '99, mm. and um, she had already been there for. Uh, for two years mm. and um yeah we were both in fairly serious relationships at the time mm. and um that, that were destined that, to fail that, that were destined <laughs> to fail <laughs> so yeah. um yeah um we uh, i moved to there in the end of the summer so it would have been like um august i yeah. feel like um we were together by the end of october yeah. So this seems like something that actually happens a lot. I I have minimal knowledge of the dance world, but um, you know, members of a company falling in love. It does. I mean, well, <laughs> I was also going to ask you how similar you think of being in a company and and touring is to being in a band because I, there are similarities. Oh, for sure. I, I think I think um, I, I think a couple things. One is um, you spend so much time together. Yep. And it's such an 
uh, it's so much time together in such an intimate way Mm -hmm. you're because in a um, van yeah if you're if you're in a band you know you're you're exploring really personal stuff when you're writing songs Mm -hmm. you're you you have to be really connected to each other um um uh, physically and emotionally to to perform together, right? And the same with with dancers. You mm-hmm. um, you you're being incredibly intimate with each other um, all the time. Um, you you spend most of your waking hours together. Yeah. And also, I think not dissimilar to being a musician. Um, if you're if you're not a dancer you can't really understand what it is to be a dancer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, and I think that's the same for musicians. Like what, not, not only the, the, the pressures and demands of it, but also the, um, the drive of it, mm-hmm. like the, the need to do it. Right. Yeah. Some people like to quarantine their lives and compartmentalize in, in a little bit though, and be like, you know, this is my art. This is what I do. And then my partner, is completely different from that. Mm-hmm. And so I get to step outside of it and uh, embrace them and uh, embrace something different, you know, but there is a, a romantic quality to sharing a, a relationship with somebody who can identify with you in, the, in that really intimate, creative way. In, in dancing, I mean, you literally touch right on stage. Right. You know, so yeah. if there's any little thing going on behind the scenes... It's gonna become something pretty quick, is what it sounds like. Yeah, I think that's inevitable. Yeah. If there if there's already a connection there, mm-hmm. um, that connection's going to need to be um, explored. Explored. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and w- that connection was happening between Don and Don and me um, mm-hmm. before we even realized it. Yeah. Uh, in hindsight, we went back and we're like, oh wow, we were we were on this this road mm. long before we ever recognized right recognized it mm. and um very quickly we became um partners off stage we became partners on stage um uh, it uh it was one of those things where when when choreographers would come in to work with the company and they would see us um work together mm. they would be like oh i want them i want them together mm. right so um yeah. We spent most of our ta- time dancing together um, once we were together um, for those for those eight years. Um, yeah. In, um, while we were both members of Valley Memphis. Yeah. For eight years together. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, what happened from there after those eight after those eight years? Yeah. So um, Dawn's older than me, so she was. Um, there was a reality that that at some point. Um, her her dance curve was going to need to wind down. Yeah, and um, I had fallen in love with choreography. Mm-hmm. Um, I had uh, um, I was directing a um, workshop performance at Ballet Memphis mm-hmm. uh, that I founded, and um, then started choreographing for the co- company as well mm-hmm. uh, regularly. And I really fell in love with that. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of okay with. Um, hanging up the performance shoes. Yeah. And um, Don and I made a plan together that um, we wanted to be the be directors of a company. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we kind of gave ourselves a, um, 
four year window to figure out what that looked like. Mm -hmm. Um, and um, our our fallback plan, if after four years we hadn't found a company that already existed that we could um, you know, get hired as the directors yeah. of, um, we were going to move to Savannah, Georgia, <laughs> um, because we had done <clears throat> all this research of um, what cities were growing, mm. um, what cities were growing and didn't really have a major dance company. Right. Uh, you know, we're like a lot of like. Um, figuring out um, a lot of thought yeah 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 to just just see what the possibilities were so um, we started um, submitting our applications to job openings for um, directorships and um, we submitted to one for Ballet Nouveau Colorado yeah and uh, we ended up flying out and um, uh, doing the interview process and um teaching class and um, staging some choreography so um, they could see what I do. Mm -hmm. And um, we landed the job. And that was two years into our four-year plan. Yeah. Um, so it was pretty It was pretty abrupt in that we went back. At, um, at, we had let our, um, our boss, the artistic director at Ballet Memphis, know that we were looking at this. Mm -hmm. um, and she, so um, she had been supportive of of us engaging it um we it was really important to us that she understood that um what we were doing that we weren't just going to spring it on her yeah. but we then when we got back we did say we're going to take this job so we kind of abruptly retired mm. um with um only a few months notice from from dancing at uh, least it was a few months right you know right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so how long were you at ballet nouveau so ballet nouveau um is that based in denver so uh, we were based in Broomfield. Broomfield. And um, so we moved here in 2007. Okay. Um, the econom economy abruptly crashed, yep. which um, being in the arts um, in that reality was um, No one was spending going. money. And we yeah. knew nothing about what we were doing. Mm -hmm. um, we, we were learning as we went. And... Um, kind of holding to the organization together with our bare hands yeah it was it was a it was a rough several years and um we really ultimately when i look back i say um uh, we probably had no business still existing mm. um like the finances were were that bad wow um but we um kind of out of the blue um Let's see it was would have been 2012 mm -hmm. right so we had been doing this for several years um 2012 we got a phone call kind of out of the blue from um, Bonfi Stanton Foundation which is a foundation in Denver that um uh, it primarily focuses on supporting the mm -hmm. arts and um they said essentially um we believe in what you guys are doing, but we don't think, you know, we look at your, we look at your finances mm. and so forth. And we don't think this is sustainable and, um, we want to provide you not only the, some financial support, but also some consulting support mm. to figure out how to fix it. Yeah. And, um, they said anything's on the table. Um, 
and that kind of opened the door to um, asking the question if if we could remake this in a sustainable way because it we were a professional dance company a school and then we also had community programs mm -hmm. and it was kind of you know this all-encompassing thing and it kind of gave me the per permission to stop for a moment and from the 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 franticness of just trying to um day to day keep mm -hmm. keep the organization going and stop and kind of take the whole thing apart and look at it and turn it over and figure out what that looked like um and instead what, of just trying to survive instead of just trying to survive mm -hmm. right um and um what i ultimately ended up doing was coming up with the plan to split the organization in two um, the professional dance company would become its own organization, um, which would be called Wonderbound. And the school would become um, an independent nonprofit um, called Colorado Conservatory of Dance. Mm. Oh, and yes. Okay. So yeah, Colorado yeah. Conservatory mm -hmm. of Dance stayed in Broomfield. Right. Um, and Wonderbound um, moved to Denver because uh, as a contemporary dance company, we really needed to be in the city. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Broomfield is very much a, a suburban yeah. reality. Um, and so we we made the move and we made the split and we moved the company downtown to a um, 1920s post office garage. Mm -hmm. It's really cool there. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a cool space mm -hmm. and um, became Wonderbound. Mm -hmm. And um, by... by separating those two arms of the school and letting them each focus or of the organization and letting them each focus on um their respective missions um it it allowed both organizations to uh, kind of reinvent themselves yeah. and um um and resolve the the um major financial challenges that we yeah. were living in so well let's talk more about wonderbound after i ask you this this insane question is if there was a zombie apocalypse and you were stranded in a, um, a cabin in the mountains somewhere in, um, in Colorado, which I'm sure you can picture, um, and you had nothing but food and water and a crank powered Victrola, what are the five albums you would bring? Um, so I guess I have to ask a qualifying question. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, am I there alone? Yes. I'm there alone. <laughs> okay. No pets. No, no other I mean, humans. Dawn might be uh, okay. <laughs> well, she might be eaten by a zombie. <laughs> uh, you don't know, but all you know, she's not there with you during this, um, okay. <laughs> this time in the cabin, which might be a few days, a few months, a few years. Okay, I don't know. Okay, um, this is a tough. This is a tough question. I'm sure everybody tells you that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I was like going through it in my head. Um, and I guess one of the first things that keep kept, I kept landing on was, uh, I've got to have some Johnny cash. Nice. So, um, I, I had such a tough choice of what though too, but, um, I guess the, it would maybe the first American recordings album. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I guess is kind of dark for a zombie apocalypse. Right. But maybe I it's know. apt. Right, you know. Right, I feel yeah, like yeah. Uh, 
I feel like that's the first one. Got the number 13 tattooed on my neck. When the ink starts to itch, then the black will turn to red. Then I guess uh, Nirvana. Gotta have some Nirvana. Which one? Um, it smells like Teen Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. The whole album. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole album. Oh, man. I mean, that's a really good Apocalypse album. You know, it's a good album. And I think the reason why I thought about it was that I um, obviously... Um, it's kind of fundamental to, um, you know, I, I guess my age, that kind of, but also, um, how many years, I mean, it's, I can't even remember how old it is now. It came I, out in 1991. Okay. And it changed everything. It changed everything. I was 11 years old. Well, I was 10 when it actually was released. And... It didn't only change music, it changed fashion, it changed changed everything. Everything. One baby to another says I'm lucky to meet you. And so I remember when it was its 20th anniversary mm. and there were all these stories being done on the radio about about it and so forth. And I, I pulled it back out and listened to it and I was like, this is a freaking amazing album. Yeah, yeah. You know, so... Yeah, um, I, I, I guess I'd have to go there. Uh, let's see. <sighs> then I'm going to have to do some Queen. Which one? Uh, Night at the Opera. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I mean, that makes total sense. Yeah. Um, I'm running out. That's three. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm getting low. Okay, I do need to have some classical music in there, right? Um, and so, um, because uh, with having no classical music would be kind of horrible. And so I was debating, and I was finally like, okay, um, I probably would want to choose something that I have not yet choreographed to, right. um, because um, there's so much music that I love, but if I've choreographed to it, it has a different thing. So I, I, that caused me, I was like, Prokofiev is probably it. Um, and so I'll land it on Prokofiev's Romeo and Juliet. Oh, wow. Um, because I've choreographed to at least a, a lot of the music to, um, Prokofiev's Cinderella. So I yeah. went with, with the Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Um, we have a Spotify playlist for each year of the mile high stash podcast. And at least one song from each, album that is chosen goes on the Spotify playlist and so um if anyone listening has not heard I'm I'm gonna butcher this <laughs> Prokofiev 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 would be that'd be pretty raging uh, <laughs> yeah yeah so that's number four that's number four. Oh man okay so the reason why I asked if I'm there if 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 it was just me or not, was I was like, well, is, is Clay going to be there? Because right, if Clay right, was right. going to be there, then then I could do without a without a um, gasoline lollipops yeah. album because he'd just be able to do it himself. Yeah, he could just play it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. but since since he's not there, um, uh, I, I I'm gonna have to go with the Resurrection album. Yes. Yeah. Oh, this is a good place to hide. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I was a little on edge there because I was wondering, is it going to be one that I was the drummer on? So when you pick Resurrection, I was like, yes, all right, all right, cool. Yeah, and even the first the first song um, on there um, is the title track, and it's very apt for a zombie apocalypse. Right. <laughs> really good. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I guess, yeah, I guess all of it is a little, I mean, I, I tend to be a little dark in my, yeah. <laughs> in yeah. my uh, musical yeah. choices, but... Yeah. Well, I was just thinking in my head, you know, if somehow the zombies were prone to being choreographed, you could have a, a zombie company. Right. And this, this would be a whole new right. venture for you. Right. And Clay and I have already made a zombie ballet yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. Wicked Bayou. <laughs> right. Um, with, uh, with Widow's Bane. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. We, we're intimately familiar with with the 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 zombie zombie ballet uh, zombie um choreography yeah yeah so yeah, yeah we maybe we'd be able to maybe be able to um show them a little footage and be like hey we're cool yeah. right yeah yeah <laughs> okay so you start wonderbound how do you decide what the first project is going to be uh so um there were some things that we had already done that had had started um evolving um, some of the aesthetic decisions before mm -hmm. we be officially became Wonderbound. Yeah. One of which was um, we had transitioned to all live music. So um, we had done that. I think the season, um, the season that we, we, we became Wonderbound mid season kind mm -hmm. of. So that, that, um, that season, which was, 10 years ago so that 2012 2013 season yeah um we i think was our first year of live all live music for all of our productions so that was but i'm guessing at first it was like strings well like um that. it was a mix um uh i had worked with um jesse manley yeah on yeah. um on um at least one project at that point mm -hmm. um we had um we had worked with paperbird yeah um that mm -hmm. was our first full length collaboration mm -hmm. with um with a local band mm -hmm. where we did an entire evening together yeah um we had worked with um let's see broke chamber orchestra of colorado um i think at that point we had also done um some work with the colorado symphony so yeah we had done some string stuff mm -hmm. but we had also um, been venturing into, um, I, I'm a folk music fan. So, mm. um, uh, the, um, Jesse's sound was, um, fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, paper bird, um, the first time I heard paper bird, um, I was like, I was like, I have to reach out to them and see. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we had kind of, um, made that commitment which was really exciting um and, and you it, get to develop these relationships with each artist because yeah i'm, I'm i recently interviewed nick urata from debachka uh -huh. and you know i think a lot of people when they see this this sort of you know nathaniel rate live in the colorado symphony and and debachka with the colorado symphony they think that it's this collaboration that's gone on for months and the writing this whole thing together but in in reality the symphony it kind of like 
they're just masters at what they do and it comes up on their docket oh this is something i'm doing this week in a way and maybe there's one rehearsal and with you guys you're making this whole thing together and and developing this relationship by working full time together for months it's incredible yeah it, so it is and that's the amazing thing about classical musicians is yeah you you mm. put a score in front of them yeah. and it's pretty darn they're good fast they're they're mm. yeah um they can pull it off without a, a rehearsal mm. yeah um but you give them a, a couple three rehearsals and yeah. they're they're gonna kill it right mm. um but when you're building something from scratch mm. it is a different it is a different process yeah. um and usually that process is um i i feel like it has to be at minimum nine months ideally it's a year or more yeah. Um, to really be able to dig into that. Um, each collaboration is different too. Mm -hmm. um, there are definitely some collaborations have um, utilized mu music that the band already um, had, yeah. so existing yeah, yeah. work. Um, so it's more, that that becomes more about um, um, kind of curating um, the music choices mm -hmm. and then working with them to, um, oh, can we extend this song? Can we, you know, do, you know, so forth um and then other projects it's really is starting from from absolute scratch and saying okay we're gonna make a show together mm -hmm. um and yeah it's amazing um i mean we um uh, i'm trying to think of all the the different things um chimney choir we did boomtown right. together mm -hmm. um and we also did aphrodite switchboard um both of those were um, from scratch yeah um, which was which was a huge project. Um, um, Carry on with Paperbird was mm -hmm. all brand new music. Um, some of it, um, Ian Cook, um, Ian Cook, oh, yeah, Ian Cook. Um, um, did, done um, a couple projects with him. One of them, um, Gone West, was with him and Michael J. Henry, um, uh, a poet and the uh, executive director of Lighthouse Writers Workshop. Um, which I've done several projects with him as well, um, combining poetry and dance. Mm -hmm. And so Gone West incorporated Ian's music, Mike's uh, poetry, and my choreography. So it was a yeah. really... Um, Do you have um, videos of any of these? Or, you know, do they just happen and then they're in the ether if you didn't see it? There, there. Um, we do have videos. We don't release a lot of the videos, yeah. um, partly because um, most of the time it's um, archive, archival footage. So mm -hmm. it hasn't been. Uh, that's the interesting thing about dance. I'm really thankful in this era of AI that um, there's something about dance that uh, that um, AI to won't touch for for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but. Um, yeah, the live experience. So it, I I love good dance for film. Mm -hmm. um, when it's done well, it's amazing. But it has to be, it's a different project putting right, dance right. on film than it is um, just taking a, a um, stage show and filming it. It, um, it, it You lose the, the essence of the work. The um, so we don't tend to release. But there are... There are uh, videos. We had a partnership um, for a long time with um, uh, Colorado Public Radio mm -hmm. and um, and Rocky Mountain PBS. Um, there are clips of many of these um, 
uh, collaborations on their website mm-hmm. of that they kind of would put together as uh, um, as like uh, music videos almost. Yeah. Oh, awesome. So um, there's definitely there's definitely short um, snippets of of like individual songs and yeah. so forth out there of some of these projects. Okay. So, so my recollection, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that we were playing one of our brunch gigs at Ophelia's. Yes. And uh, I don't know, 2017 or something. Mm-hmm. Those were really, really tough because we used to make no money and we'd have to get there at about 9 a.m. for sound check and then drink bottomless mimosas all day <laughs> and leave at like 2.30 and make like $100 a guy back in the day. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we always, every single time, we would meet somebody in Denver who happened to come by and we'd make some uh, amazing connection. And uh, um, I believe one of them was you. Yes. And you and Clay hit it off. And and all of a sudden, Clay Rose, of all people, is saying, I'm going to do a ballet. And everyone's like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> so what inspired you to say this songwriter performer is somebody I want to work with. Yeah. So, um, it was actually Dawn, my wife, that, um, we had a lot of, um, great relationships with, um, a lot of different, um, musicians in town and groups, but we were looking for, we were looking to continue to spread our wings. And, um, Dawn had, I I feel like I was really busy um, in some of the projects that were going on, but we had we had to keep planning for the future, right? Mm-hmm. And so Don um, was doing a lot of research, looking at looking at all kinds of bands and musicians mm-hmm. um, in town, and so she actually kept it a little bit of a secret. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it was uh, um, there was something that. Uh, that really clicked for her that she kept it a secret. She's like, mm. we're going somewhere on um, Saturday morning or mm. was it Saturday or Sunday? I it can't remember. Both. It was both. That was one right. of the hard things. <laughs> right. <laughs> we had um, to play both days. And I can't yeah, remember yeah. whether we went on a Saturday yeah, or Sunday, yeah, but, yeah. Um, but it was definitely, uh, it probably was a Sunday. And she's yeah. like, we're going somewhere on Sunday morning. And I was like, I mean, we never go anywhere on mm. Sunday morning. <laughs> right. Like, okay. And so, um, yeah, she 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 kept it a secret, and she's like, okay, we and then we arrived at Ophelia's, mm-hmm. and she's like, we're going to brunch, and I was like, okay, and we walk in and sit down, and um, yeah, and then Gas Pop started playing, mm-hmm. and I looked at her, and I was like, she's like, <laughs> what do you think? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was amazing. So then it was the okay, well, on on their first break we'll we'll grab clay and yeah. introduce ourselves and uh, it was funny talking to clay later because clay was like you know totally like who are these people mm-hmm. like showing up saying that they have a dance company and whatever right. um uh so that that's kind of funny but i mean it was he was great and he was it was he was so generous um but then we invited him. Um, our space at the time was just um, just a few blocks away, really. 
um, mm -hmm. uh, on Park Avenue West. Right. And so um, we extended the, the invitation to come and visit. Yeah. And, Had you ever done something so dark? Um, I've done a, I've done a fair amount of dark stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, but the, but, um, the, I mean, the first project we did was Wicked Bayou. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with the uh, Widow's, Widow's Bane. Bane. And, um, I mean, it's dark, but it's also fun. Yeah. Right. Oh, totally. Like, it's totally, totally mm. fun. Um, yeah, I, I, I gravitate towards some pretty dark stuff. Um, I had the pleasure of when I was at, at Ballet Memphis creating a work to, to Johnny Cash. Nice. Um, yeah. Which was really incredible. Um, and um, I also did a work there. One of my earliest works at Ballet Memphis was to R.L. Burnside. Oh, awesome. And, uh, wow. That was. See, that I was wish there were videos of this stuff. I'd be. Right. No, <laughs> they're, they're tucked away in my basement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah. So, um, yeah. But I, I think we, we naturally gravitated toward the, toward Wicked Bayou because it was so theatrical. Like, mm. um, um, the Widow's Bane is such a theatrical group. Yeah. Already. And, um, and, um, the old um, old Bayou, uh, the narrative in in Old Bayou um, is already uh, kind of structured well for right. for a story, right? So it was kind of really natural to just take that and explode it into mm -hmm. um, this bigger thing. It it made a lot of sense really quickly. So that was kind of where we 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 went first. Um, I think that for me, uh, it was very quick in. Um, in that project that it was like, okay, we've got to do more. Right. So that was mm -hmm. where, um, uh, then it was like, okay, what can, what can we do with gas pops? Yeah. Right. Um, the and Sandman, <clears throat> the Sandman mm -hmm. and same idea, right. Um, the base, the basis of that narrative is already built into Santa Maria and the Sandman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we were just, were able to explode it out from there. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing with the Sandman is that, um, there are characters from that song, but then there are also uh, characters that are named in other songs. Mm -hmm. Jesse and Rose, right, 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 um, um, are in Woman and a Gun. Yeah. Um, and so we were able to just start to okay, beyond beyond the event in San Marino and, San, and the Sandman, um, which is the culminating scene of the ballet, mm -hmm. the shootout. Yeah. Right? Um who are these people? Mm -hmm. What is their, what's their backstory? Right. So then it was just like, and I, the thing that happens, I get really excited about it because mm -hmm. when I listen to Clay's lyrics, the moment I start hearing his lyrics, I start seeing these people in the flesh. Like yeah. I start yeah. to see their world and their lives and their, who they are really quickly. So yeah. um, it just kind of drives me into, into um uh kind of creation mode of okay yeah. like how how do these people know each other and what's what's the conflict and what's the um what's their motivations yeah. and everything well he's had some trouble um placing songs with, with licensing and one of the things that 
that people have told him is that your songs have too much life in them that you listen to them and you immediately it's like a motion picture and when you're trying to place a song in a movie it, it needs to be very um up to interpretation and right. and not bring something to life you know that that is something other than what's happening on right. the screen and so alternately it's perfect for a ballet right you know? right yeah and i mean i i uh, uh, that's like that subject in itself is kind of weird to me because i do think that it, i i do think that his songs could mm-hmm. very easily fit in in a movie in a context like i understand the idea that if the lyrics are too mm. too descriptive that you know it could come but whatever i yeah. i think yeah. I, I for me um it's the 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 sign of a great storyteller yeah the when when you're able to build um that scaffolding for for um the listener's mind to yeah. grab onto it and see a whole world come to life yeah with just with um just a few verses in a chorus yeah that's amazing yeah he's got this song called pop song you know, uh-huh. it's about uh, growing up um and having uh, your dad be a uh you know furniture mover and other things and, and just being in a truck and uh there's there's this line about learning the alphabet from license plates and it right. you know it's a line like that that it's it's like a movie just pops up yeah in your mind it's yeah amazing. but and this is where i f- find it really interesting because they do they do leave enough space for interpretation because like that song in the sandman is a um duet between Jesse who's kind of the hero mm. in the story and um, his deceased father, right, right. who um, had become a priest. Mm. So, uh, so pop and father, mm. and li- like l- literally, this character is both a you know um, father in the church as well as his father, mm. right? But he, he they ne- they had these unresolved issues around their relationship, and so it's it's um, when Jesse is in a in a state of crisis and um um in that moment considering ending it all yeah that he that um the spirit of his father shows up and kind of helps carry him through that moment but that i don't find as as specific as the lyrics might be i don't find it in any way in conflict with that right right right? like it's um um because it, it's a story of of father and son that is universal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, what are the dates, um, if you know them already, that the Wicked Bayou and the Sandman are being resurrected? Yeah. So, um, the Sandman opens May third mm-hmm. and runs through the fourteenth. So May third, third through fourteenth. And the exciting thing is that that's going to be the grand opening of Wonderbound's um, newly renovated space. Oh, wow. We um, bought um, the building in the midst of the the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and uh, we moved out about nine months ago um, and handed it over to the contractors mm. and they've been um, renovating it and um, it's just um, being wrapped up right now so that, that's amazing um, so we're going to be moving in um, in the coming um, couple weeks here and then yeah the, the Sandman will be the grand opening of the space which is amazing because it'll also be the first time we're doing live music again mm -hmm. since since the pandemic started yeah and the Sandman was the last production we did to live music before the pandemic hit right, right. so um, we're, got, we're kind of getting to bookend the pandemic with yeah <laughs> with this amazing um, show um, mm -hmm. it's really exciting yeah um, is Wicked Bayou coming back too? So um, I'm gonna I'm going to hold that for the moment. Yeah, you, yeah. you have to come to the Sandman, yeah. and this at that show we'll, we will be announcing our upcoming season, yeah. which has um, a lot of exciting new things yeah. um, on the docket. Yeah. Um, so you need to come to the Sandman, and you'll find <laughs> out what what's happening next season. <laughs> and what can you say about this other project that is a third? Clay Rose Wonderbound thing that um, um, what I've heard of from Clay um, who's downstairs with his kids right now um, is that it's it's the first time that you guys aren't taking songs that are already written right and making a ballet from it like you two are writing a whole original story together yes so um, again and that's going to be part of that season oh, oh, announcement right. yeah, yeah. Um, but what I will say is, yeah, so now that we've done two, um, two pro major projects together, mm -hmm. but, uh, but there have been, um, both of them have largely been to existing music. Yeah. Um, we've been anxious to dig in and mm -hmm. build something from scratch. I think the thing that Clay and I have found is that, <clears throat> um, in, so in some ways we've lived entirely different lives, mm -hmm. but in some ways, we there are so many things about our lives that are mm. so shared yeah. um, that we're able to kind of um, uh, yeah kind of see the world in a really naturally similar way mm. um, but we also can play off of each other because we'll we'll surprise each other yeah. um, uh, I it, it's funny because I'm I'm taken aback sometimes about the things that are in his lyrics Mm. Um, sometimes I'm like, wow, that's like, that's ballsy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but then he's kind of said the same thing about my choreography. He's like, I can't believe you actually did that on stage. Mm. I'm like, um, we, so we kind of have the same, um, that same tendency to, um, if we're going to take on some, take on a subject, we're going to dig in and yeah. be, be brutal, brutally honest about it. So, so that's um, a little <laughs> foreshadowing of. This project is what yeah. it sounds like. Yeah, it, it's we're we're gonna we're gonna dive into some um, probably pretty heavy territory. Yeah, um, I'm excited about it. Yeah, yeah. How has the company? I mean, it's a dance company, and, and I feel like I have such a I don't know much about dance other than um, it 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 took seeing Aspen Santa Fe Ballet when I was 28 or nine and you know, to finally learn the difference between watching someone do steps and watching someone dance, that there was a difference. Mm. Uh, so how has the company 
Wonderbound evolved over the years as far as who the dancers are? Um, I think the big important thing for me is that <clears throat> dancers need to be able to, um, for, to be a Wonderbound dancer. They have to be able to um, dig into those characters. Mm -hmm. um, that Wonderbound really um, tells stories. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, they have to be. They have to have phenomenal technique. They have to have all of that underlying capacity. Um, but then they also have to transcend that um, by um, kind of in, inhabiting these characters. So mm -hmm. that's. Um, I think it's something that makes Wonderbound unique mm -hmm. in that um, we are so kind of committed to um, to story. Yeah. Um, and that um, you have to do all the technical dancing things to do all those steps but you also have to i mean they're basically they're basically acting you know yeah yeah and and those things have to exist together mm -hmm. um i and that's really become fundamental to um who we are and it's uh, i think very different than most contemporary dance in the um um in in the uh, professional dance world right now i think mm -hmm. um in that in the respect that um um, I don't think um, traditional narrative as uh, has been um, very trendy for a while in the yeah, in yeah, the contemporary yeah. dance world. Right. Um, so, and but that's what we're doing. We're basically doing. We are a ballet company. Um, so there, there's there is a line from what we do back to the traditions of classical ballet mm -hmm. narrative stories. Right. So Swan Lake, The Sleeping Beauty. Um, Cinderella, these these uh, narrative um, ballets, um, but the what we're making are narratives for a modern audience. Yeah. Right? Um, so they're they're the subjects are contemporary, the um, the characters are more contemporary. Um, mm -hmm. Even if they're even if they're set a little bit back, you know, I'll oftentimes end up setting things somewhere in the 20th century mm. and that can vary from the 20s to the 90s you know uh, but we might you know but a lot of times i'll kind of settle on a, at least a general era to to um uh, narrow in the aesthetic reality yeah um but yeah they're 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 kind of new mythologies new new folk tales yeah um for a for a contemporary audience I could see a, a line from uh, the Nutcracker to the Widow's Bane. There's, there's, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, rats. You know, you got rats. Mm -hmm. You got zombies. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know. Is there an alligator in the Nutcracker? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> um, there's, uh, there's not an alligator, but there is a rat king with right. with with seven heads. Right. Yeah. There you so, go. So, um, I mean, that's pretty terrifying. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, uh, so I think there is. Um, there's. You, you think about um, in in Sleeping Beauty, you have um, Carabas, who's the who's the evil um, the evil fairy, mm -hmm. right? You've got um, uh, there's the uh, I can't even think of the name right now, but in Swan Lake, the the evil character that holds all the women captive is swans. Mm -hmm. You know, there. Yeah. I mean, there's some dark traditions there. are. Are, mm -hmm. are definitely um, uh, kind of built into the into the tradition, right? Yeah. Well, 
Uh, what you're doing, you know, with storytelling and, and dance and also being involved with the local uh, music community is, is really crucial. It, it's, it's, it's really cool. And I hope everybody listening um, checks out the Sandman in May and then also uh, stays tuned. Yeah. What's next? My last question for you was, who's your stylist? I mean, I just, I just dig your whole, your whole vibe here. <laughs> well, thank great. you. Um, uh, Dawn is Dawn. definitely my stylist. Um, <laughs> she, she makes sure that I, um, uh, I, I am literally that kind of person where I won't think about like, oh, I should buy some new clothes. Yeah. Right. So she, um, she does a great job of making sure that I, um, um, am, am dressed. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I have all, uh, her to thank for that. Or and not. she does the, 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 and she does all, all of it. She does, um, she actually has been doing the costumes for most of our shows, yeah. um, over yeah. the past many years. Um, so she, she styles, um, the shows as well. Um, uh, many of them. And then, uh, she's also the president of Wonderbound. So yeah. she's, yeah, yeah. um, she's, uh, the executive leader, um, while I, I get to, be the artistic leader in the studio yeah so, awesome yeah well it's a perfect pair it's working out great we're we're very lucky yeah yeah thank you so much for doing this it was a blast oh thank you adam yeah it's, yeah. A, it's a pleasure yeah i'll give you another hour then gotta run that was my chat with garrett ammon of wonderbound ballet which opens the sandman um a collaboration with Clay Rose and Gasoline Lollipops on May 3rd in Denver. Head to wonderbound.com for all the info on dates, times, and tickets. Oh, and I will be playing the drums all over Colorado, northern Colorado this weekend. Um, if you want to check out some live music, um, I'm playing with Rolling Harvest at Ophelia's in Denver this Thursday, April 27th, and then with Hunter Stone at the Mill Site in Ward on Friday, April 28th, and again with Hunter at FOCO MX in Fort Collins, Saturday, April 29th. Don't miss FOCO MX ever if you're in Colorado. It's like the South by Southwest of Northern Colorado, and it's great. Um, see you next Monday, as usual, people. Thanks for listening. And, um, you know, if, if you want to drop a review on on Apple Podcasts or send me an email at uh, milehighstash at gmail.com. It's always appreciated. We'll talk soon. So you want to rise above duality. You want to transcend day and night. Yes, I'm old-fashioned. I just don't share your passion for ever-changing eternal twilight. Go on and give oblivion a shot. Go on and fade to grey.